0: Let me start first by saying it's a joy to be with you back all again and to give Eric a little break back to California. Both of us are California children. And to also, I made a joke with him and said, I won't wear a bow tie. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that he has this thing about bow ties, I do too, but I'm usually in a collar. But um, the notion of talking and you can actually I'll clue you in on what I said to the children that were here that friend of mine that I did with the children's talk some of you might know that because it's this 12th century guy by the name of Meister Eckhart and so there's a little joke and you know he's having a conversation with the 12th century theologian philosopher but in fact that's part of what I'm going to be driving towards today is conversations with some of these characters that are going on, like the Exodus text, like the Gospel text. They're conversations. Moses and the Israelites, grumble, 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 I hope you heard. They're upset. And the followers, not the disciples, the followers of Jesus and their conversations and asking some really powerful questions that I actually think are questions that are exceedingly pertinent for our day and for where we are in the midst of COVID with the Delta virus coming and all the things that we have experienced in these last 18, 19, 20 months. So it's a joy to be back with you all again and it's a pleasure to worship and on Zoom wherever you are in God's world let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. Silence all voices but thine alone, gracious God, and then by your Holy Spirit, touch each of us, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies, that in these words and our own thinking, that we might be changed and transformed, that we might be touched, and that we might reveal something about the glory of God. For indeed, the glory of God to you is when we are fully alive. So open our hearts and minds, gracious God, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, might indeed be acceptable to you, you who are our strength and our redeemer. This we pray in your holy name. Amen. Maybe because of how I live my life in conversations with students, staff, communities, and texts, and that creative tension of ancient with contemporary, which is what we hold best in our reformed tradition of the reformed understanding of texts that are hooked together with our daily lives. There are questions that I wrestled with and there are three that I wanna pose as we begin today. The first one is the one that's in the text. The followers of Jesus are saying to Jesus, When did you come here? When did you arrive? When did you come here? And there's two other questions that kind of are almost inviting into that. Where do you come from? And what are you looking for? What are we looking for? What are you looking for? And in the midst of that, there's that great line in the gospel about the works of God and what must we do to be about the work of God. And in the midst of that conversation, the Exodus text is talking about a very serious internal grumbling, anger, fighting. You got us out of slavery. Wouldn't it be better to go back? Wouldn't it be better to at least be able to eat What are we searching for is a substantial set of questions that I think are fundamental to the text. Seeking, finding, discovering, looking for love in all the wrong places, as I often say with some of the students, looking for peace, looking for health, looking for hope. And in the text that is lined out in the gospel, And the manna that has been put forward, there's a very clear understanding of that you are to take what you need, not hoard it, not be greedy, but to take what you need, which is a powerful image that God is providing, not our needs of greed, but our needs of sustenance, of what we actually have to have. And so I want to play with that some because that's foundational in the gospel text. Not what is greedy, but what is needed. And if you think about what are we looking for in the church, what are we looking for in our community, what are we looking for in our nation? The answers imply our deepest desires, unmet needs, our hopes, our expectations, our desire for something to be a part of bigger. And in that is the next question. When did you come here, Jesus? The followers are saying, but I think the text is really flipping that and asking us, when did we come here? When did we become engaged in the conversation, follow Jesus, and what are we looking for? When did we... Decide to come to this beloved community of faith. And when do you decide not to come? Beyond COVID and Zoom, that substantial question of when did you come here and for what reason? Spiritual journeys, seeking meaning, purpose, hope. In the midst of hopelessness, the Exodus text is riveted with this notion of journeying, leaving oppression, slavery, to what we do not know, but we trust. And every spiritual journey that I listen to, including my own, is always rooted in something about going out. Going somewhere, we don't know. But it's about finding your voice, It's about finding a sense of force, it's about finding some sense of foundation. And in the midst of that conversation with the Israelites and Moses and Jesus and the followers is this exchange about what did you come here for? Where you came from? Who are you? And to a certain degree as I wrestled with this over the week I kept hearing The psychologists say, Abraham Maslow, and the higher needs of Maslow's understanding of how we understand structurally our physical needs, the basic assumptions, our needs of safety, our needs of belonging and love, our fourth needs of esteem, and the final one of self-realization or self-fulfillment. Where I serve, we talk about reach your full potential. It's a byline of college that's now a university, but Maslow's understanding of needs, especially those five, are what families wrestle with, what the church wrestles with, and I would submit to you what the society, the government and the society represent. Of finding basic needs of food, of safety, of a sense of belonging and love, and a sense of esteem of being fully realized. Now, they only go so far, I get it. And there's only so much you can expect out of that. But where do you come from, which is another one of those questions which I hear, especially when I am with people that are not like me. And they see that as an exceedingly offensive question because the perception is you don't belong here. I belong, you don't. I went to a country club yesterday for a reception, and as I drove in, I got in the wrong lane, and it was the members lane, and the gentleman saluted me and said, welcome, sir, and in I went, as opposed to the guest lane where I would have had to say who I am. But it was because I was perceived as a part of the community. I looked the part, I'm older, I'm white, I'm driving a car that looks pretty nice, There are all kinds of assumptions about where do you come from. But if you think about the Israelites, where do you come from? I came from slavery in Egypt? Or if you think about the story of the followers that were wrestling with, where is Jesus and the disciples? We got food, but they're really wanting to find something more. So those three questions for me are really pivotal. And if we were in my community, I would love to sit and stop and ask, when did you come here? When did you come to Elmhurst? Where do you come from? And what are you looking for? Because the Exodus story is that, where did you come from? Where are you going? What are you looking for? It's foundational because it's about oppression and freedom. And it's about being in the wilderness. And it's about the notion of faith, of trust. And if you understand that word in the way it's defined in some structures, it's used either as a noun or it is used as a verb. The verb to faith, the verb to believe, The followers are seeking and asking questions about food to feed themselves physically. Jesus is inviting them, not just the physicalness, but the totality of life, to live into questions, to live into faith, to live into life, not as a spectator, not in a reactionary way, but in an active participatory way. And so it gets played out like this by this wonderful woman, Elizabeth Gray King, who is an artist and a theologian. And she goes, we can believe in justice as a thing. We can believe in love and care and kindness and humanity, which are wonderful, she says. But until we start living and acting as love living out that care, graciousness spilling over with kindness, and working with others in humility as a component of power. A belief is just a belief, almost like an object of adoration. Believing in resurrection is okay, she says. Believing in resurrection is okay. Living in resurrection, in in living in reconciliation is quite another thing. Believing, wonderful. Living into resurrection, totally different. And the text is inviting a kind of active participation of journey away from slavery, of finding food by the Boats that we cross across a sea to look for Jesus. So that conversation that I had with the young people of the 12th century is often played out by other conversations and I would invite you to look at St. Augustine's Confessions. They're letters written by Augustine to figure out his relationship with the living God. And there's some great lines in that. But there's another priest that is now passed away that Eric is well aware of, Henry Nouwen. And he wrote this amazing prayer. Dear God, as you draw me ever deeper into your heart, I discover that my companions on the journey are women and men's siblings, Loved by you as fully and as intimately as I am loved. In your compassionate heart, almighty one, there is a place for all of them. No one is excluded. God, give me a share of your compassion, your belonging, dear God, so that your unlimited love may become visible in the way I love my brothers and sisters, my siblings. I hope you caught Nowen's prayer. Unlimited love, and that we are captured by that, and moving into visibility, to actually understanding how that gets lived out. That notion of Maslow's work, and the text led me to a book that I had up here that I would commend to you. It's actually written for chaplains in campus ministries and it's called Belovedness. And the chaplain at the University of Chicago, Stacy Episcopal priest helped write this. In it, it talks about the three belovedness, believing, becoming they Maslow's understanding of being able to sense a sense of belonging. And when we are belonging, when we are included, we begin to believe. And that believing allows us to make mistakes and try again. Because we know that we belong in a community that loves and cares for us. And in that believing and rethinking, we become something different we become totally different. And I would submit to you that the journey that the Israelites were on with Moses and the journey that the followers of Jesus that got in a boat that were hoping to belong because they needed something and they learned to believe and they become completely different people because of that encounter with the living God. So you might laugh and say, oh, Scott's having conversations with the 12th century theologian, or with Saint Augustine, who's even further back. But I would hope that you would read these and be able to take even what the great Monsignor of El Salvador, Oscar Romero, wrote, it is to have the long view. To not see life in the moment, but as the text is inviting, Look at the long view of what Israel was in slavery and in liberation. Look at the followers of Jesus in the long view. And we in our capacity, 2,000 years or more, have that capacity to do. Look at the long view. Because then we can actually say in life and in death, we belong to God. And we then take young people and make them a part of life that they might wrestle to believe in where they go, that they might become something different, and that always in those questions, those three, is this notion of looking for Jesus, what are we looking for, the Exodus story of where is our own sense of liberation, and where did you come from? And not because you were fed something that sustained you for an hour but that the living God of history fed you with bread and water that sustains your soul and carries you for life that is the story that the text invites and that Jesus offers us the long view the short moments but the long view let us pray beloved For this beloved community, gracious one, we give thanks for the love that is found in text and the joy of what it means to belong, that we might believe and that we might become. You call us, give us this time, almighty God, that we indeed might be given the gift of life and love. For in this Christ has called us and in this we are able to respond, thank you, and yes, in Christ's name, amen.